Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Thank you so much for coming back for another week of travel news, travel tips, and travel chats. Diversity by itself is important, but shouldn't stand alone or be the sole focus. It must go along with equity and inclusion, and that's exactly what Choose Chicago is doing. Joining me today is Roz Studley, Director of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion for Choose Chicago Foundation and Choose Chicago, the official destination marketing organization for Chicago, Illinois. We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and the Culture Report is a continuation of our Casa Time with travelers from our Ghana trip. But right now, we're going to get into a little travel news. The airlines are shaking things up a bit. Delta is trying out something new to speed up boarding. U.S. airlines have tried many times and many things to make the boarding process faster and more efficient from zones to priorities, targeted groups, and boarding groups. But now Delta Airlines is trying something different to speed up boarding. Delta has been operating a pilot program in an effort to encourage more flyers to check their carry-on bags rather than inside the cabin. For the next month, Delta is sending text messages to passengers departing from its Boston hub the day of their flight, urging them to check their bags for free. A Delta spokesman said, Just as we've tested other airport experience modifications over the years, we are conducting a month-long test on select flights from Boston where select customers who have shared contact information with us will receive a text message before arriving at the airport with a proactive offer to check their carry-on bags. Customers will not be required to pay any additional fees associated with checking the carry-on bag. The pilot project is just in Boston for now. Delta didn't provide much insight into how these tests may expand or what their timeline is for making any long-term changes to boarding processes. It's also unclear who will get these offers via text. Delta spokesman also stated the test is designed to help Delta better understand how fewer carry-on bags can proactively impact the customer experience from arriving at the airport through boarding the aircraft. Since collecting bag fees is big business for the airlines, Delta alone made more than $1 billion in bag fees in 2019. According to the Bureau of Transportation Statistics, there's doubt that there will be a big push to continue to check bags for free. So we're only talking about carry-on at this point that they're making this pilot offer. Now, whether or not speeding up the boarding process will outweigh the profit from charging for checked bags, well, only time will tell. And more from the airlines, United announces year-round non-stop flights to Cape Town from New York and Newark. United Airlines announced its plans to expand service to one of the world's most popular vacation destinations by offering three nonstop flights per week, year-round between New York 
Newark and Cape Town International Airport. And of course, this is still subject to government approval, but we're all excited about it. (laughs) The new schedule starts on June 5. United Airlines will fly a 787-9 Dreamliner aircraft that includes 48 lie-flat United Polaris business class seats, 21 United Premium Plus seats, and 39 seats in Economy Plus. The rest will be a standard economy cabin. United is the only airline to offer nonstop flights between the U.S. and Cape Town and offers more flights to South Africa than any other North American carrier. Patrick Quayle, United's Senior Vice President of International Network Planning and Alliances said, by offering flights to Cape Town year-round, we're making it even easier for our customers to visit one of the world's best destinations. Adding, United's direct flights from New York, Newark, cut the usual time to Cape Town by more than five hours, giving visitors extra time to enjoy the beauty and majesty of South Africa. United Airlines first launched flights to Cape Town in December of 2019, and it quickly became one of the airline's marquee international routes. The airline later built upon this success in Africa with the launch of flights between New York, Newark, and Johannesburg in June of 2021. New service between Washington, D.C. and Accra, Ghana in May of 2021 and between Washington, D.C. and Lagos, Nigeria in November of 2021. Actually, our group flew on United nonstop to Accra from Washington and they absolutely loved it. This expanded service also strengthens United's leading network from New York, Newark, and United offers service to 74 international destinations from Newark, more than any U.S. carrier. Cape Town is South Africa's second largest city, four towns in the Western Cape province, Kisna, Stellenbosch, one of my favorites because there's wine there. (laughs) Hermanus and Cape Town were recently among the top 100 most loved places in the world in a global consumer sentiment analysis conducted by the destination marketing agency, Destination Think. Do you like beer? Do you like hip hop? Well, how about putting the two together? (laughs) Beer Town, hip hop stars, Nappy Roots have their own Atlanta brewery. Do you remember Nappy Roots, the Southern hip hop group? Well, the founding members, Skinny DeVille and Fish Scales, after years of touring and collaborating with breweries across the country, have their own Atlantucky Brewing located in the former loft at Castleberry Hill event space on Northside Drive, is a 6,000-square-foot facility with a one-barrel brew house and a multi-level tap room with two bars, a lounge, and a catering kitchen. Of course, there's a stage for live music. The name Atlantucky is a nod to the Nappy Roots history. The members, including Ron Clutch and Be Still, met in the mid-90s as students at Western Kentucky University in Bowling Green. Later, Atlanta became their headquarters. DeVille said, We've been homebrewing for the past five years. Locally, we've done collaborations with Monday Night, Scofflaw, Cherry Street, and Arches. And we've done collaborations with breweries like Dancing Gnome in Pittsburgh, Woodland Empire in Boise, Idaho, Full Circle in Fresno, California, and Avondale in Birmingham, Alabama. 
Atlantucky Brewing supplies draft beer for the tap room, but it also serves as a research and development facility for designing new beers. The company is working on a few deals with a distributor and along with a contract brewing arrangement, packaged Atlantucky beer will be coming to the Atlanta market in the near future, according to DeVille. Like many performing artists, Nappy Roots stayed off the road during the pandemic, but that allowed them more time to make beer and finally to open a brewery. Scales holds the title of brewer at Atlantucky and DeVille does a lot of work around the brew house and tap room. As for the future of Nappy Roots, Scales said they're back to touring again, though it will be a bit different going forward. There will be less shows, but more important, better shows and venues, and of course, making beer in their off time. Atlantucky has four beers on tap, Mile High PA, a classic nicely balanced pale ale, Atlantucky Mud Strong Stout, and Not Just N-E IPA. And they also have a Hefeweizen. You can check them out at atlantucky.com and they're located at 170 North Side Drive, Southwest Atlanta. There's some hidden stories of black historical figures that are being turned into digital monuments in Trafalgar Square. Snapchat lenses are responsible for it. Snapchat has created an augmented reality experience in Trafalgar Square to celebrate black heroes. Research conducted by Snap, the Black Cultural Archives and Research Without Borders found that on average, less than a third of Brits recognize famous historical black figures, 32%, about half the level of those that recognize summarily important famous white figures at 63%. Brits are also likely to find out about important black figures from social media as they are at school. This research comes as SNAP launches an immersive lens in partnership with the Black Cultural Archive to encourage ongoing education and attention on Black British history, rather than just restricting it to one month a year. Now, Black history in Great Britain is in October. The whole of Trafalgar Square will become an immersive history lesson, telling Snapchatters the story of Black British history that live behind the more famous monuments of the iconic London location. Point your phone with the special lens at certain spots and you will see underrepresented historic Black figures, including the likes of sailor George Ryan, boxer Bill Richmond, and his protege, Tom Molino and the works of four up-and-coming Black artists from the United Kingdom. The Hidden Black Stories Project aims to unveil hidden stories of Black British and Black people in the UK. And Nelson Mandela's granddaughter to Queenie Mandela was there to launch the new venture, saying, I'm here to see my grandfather's statue being brought to life through amazing AR technology in London's Trafalgar Square. Lisa Anderson, Interim Managing Director, Black Cultural Archives adds that British history is full of incredible Black people and hidden stories that deserve to be told. Trafalgar Square Lens is a dynamic virtual sign of recognition, the second in a series through which Snapchatters will be able to learn about people they may not have heard of or know very little about. 
For those unable to travel to London, SNAP has also launched a national lens that brings Nelson Mandela's statue to life right in front of you, wherever you are. The location and stories shared have been selected by a panel of experts from Slavery Remembrance, Black History Walks, Nubian Jack Trust, Mary C. Cole Trust, and 100 Great Black Britons. And there is a Black-owned fine dining experience that could pop up in a secret location near you. Yes, popping up in secret locations across the country is the Underground Kitchen, a Black-owned fine dining experience. The Underground Kitchen was founded by Michael Sparks, a fashion designer. After 35 years in the fashion industry, Sparks created this unique fine dining pop-up experience with collaborations between some of the best chefs on the East Coast. The concept began from Sparks' experience of New York-style dinner parties for the community that supported areas in need. The website described it as, from the secret location to the undisclosed menu, it's all about surprise, delight, and the art of the meal. The location is typically secret until 48 hours before the event. Diners can expect four to seven course menus from emerging chefs that curate fine dining and innovative culinary delights. One goal of this dining experience is a commitment to community. The other is to also educate diners on food origins, sourcing, menu design, and cooking techniques. The underground kitchen events have popped up in 42 cities, many of which taking place in Richmond, Virginia. Well, that's all I've got for travel news. And when I come back, we'll have Javon's Travel Minute and a conversation with Roz Studley, Director of Equity, Diversity and Inclusion for Choose Chicago Foundation and Choose Chicago. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website, TravelingCulturati.com, and make sure you join the Travel Club because we go some fantastic places. And in 2022, we have Fiji coming up April 27th through May 6th, and we're going to Greece in September, and we have a whole lot more that we're going to announce very soon. So stay up to date with our travel schedule and lineup at TravelingCulturati.com. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. For those of us who travel a little or a lot, it may be hard to think that a number of people don't travel at all. In fact, a marketing research study revealed that 11% of Americans never left their birth state. The study ordered by Victorinox, who are manufacturers of luggage and Swiss Army knives, of 2,000 Americans unveiled many surprising facts about U.S. Americans and their travel habits. Of those surveyed, 11% have never traveled outside of their birth state. 54% have visited 10 states or less. 13% said they had never flown 
on a plane. 40% had never left the country. 63% of those who had never left the country cited affordability as the reason they didn't. 25% of them had never left the country said they didn't have the time to do so. And 75% of them would like to travel more than they currently do. More than half said they've never owned a passport. Now, one thing to consider is that until 2009, Americans, U.S. citizens, didn't need a passport to travel to Canada, Mexico, or even to go on a Caribbean cruise. Now, this may have affected that number for those individuals. A spokesperson for Victorinox said, the results show that the vast majority of people have the desire to travel, but more just haven't quite been able to make that leap. The survey was originally conducted in 2017. Now, if you know someone who doesn't travel or have a passport, I would implore you to engage with them and maybe ease some of those fears. You could possibly introduce someone to a whole new world. This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. It is Black History Month, and so our focus and goal is on Black history, Blacks in travel and tourism. And last week, we had... Stephanie Jones, the director and co-founder of Blacks in Travel and Tourism on. And so we want to continue in that same vein. I have the honor and pleasure of speaking with Roz Studley, who is the director for equity, diversity, and inclusion at Choose Chicago Foundation and Choose Chicago. Well, hello, Ms. Studley, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Hello, Javon. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, have you been busy and what a year that you have coming up. Super excited. (laughs) We're excited about it too, because of course, travel has been on pause for quite some time. And then going back into travel has certainly been an experience as well. But I am super, super excited about the buzz and the talk of Blacks in travel and tourism. And so first, I want to really bring our audience up to date about our relationship, because you have now been in tourism for a minute. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) I have been with Choose Chicago specifically now for, it will be 10 years this fall, Javon, which is crazy to believe that. But yep, 20 plus years total in hospitality, travel, and tourism, but specifically 10 years now coming up at Choose Chicago. I always ask people about their wanderlust or their interest in the travel industry. Yeah, so awesome. Such a great question because I think for me, I started out not really knowing what this industry involved. I didn't know that there was career paths in travel or in tourism. I really kind of stumbled into it. I started out really with the desire to plan events. I had an events background and I was good at it. And so my career actually started off with more of the events side of the industry. And then that kind of led and opened up into tourism and other areas that I could work in and grow my career within the industry. Yes. Well, it is a vast industry. And I think that is what I think as a whole, when we just say travel, people don't really understand the vastness of the industry itself, the many opportunities in the industry. If you want to have a career, it's not just in one lane, which I think people often put all of travel in. 
but yeah. there's so many different avenues and lanes that you can fill up in the travel industry. So I'm glad that you found one that suits you. Absolutely. And that's actually kind of the discussions and priorities and initiatives for True Chicago and my role is growing the awareness of careers within travel, hospitality, and tourism, especially within the BIPOC community, because we, along with several other industries, have seen underrepresentation. And I'm very honored to have a successful career and to be able to identify talent and grow that awareness and share various opportunities of how to build a career pipeline and build that talent pipeline within our industry. One of the things that we launched this year was our Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Apprenticeship Program, which is in partnership with United Airlines. This is a pilot opportunity where there are two to four tracks that individuals can explore at True Chicago, and that includes our Sports Commission. Sports Commission is a part of tourism. Marketing is a part of tourism. Our client services, event services teams as well. And then we have a track that we'll do with United Airlines to give that person exposure into their world and working on even the worldwide sales conference that they have coming up. So I'm really excited about this program because not only does it give experience and career awareness, but it also ends and concludes with a guaranteed opportunity, whether that's at True Chicago or with United Airlines or with one of our other industry partners. I see. So is that the main goal and focus or is it the only goal and focus for career inclusions? That was definitely the main priority. This is our pilot opportunity that we've launched. Some of our counterparts and other destinations have done something similar like Baltimore and DC and Nashville and Columbus. And so this was definitely something that we wanted to be a part of as a, a bigger conversation In 2020 or 2021, I believe, Tourism Diversity Matters was birthed. This is an umbrella organization under some of our leaders within the industry. And their focus was, we got to do better. We have to find the talent and attract them to our industry. And this apprenticeship program is a great opportunity to do that. So yeah, that was the primary focus. And then hopefully this will be the first of many, many more that we can attract to our industry and continue to build it. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that Chicago is being a part of this larger conversation because being in the travel industry myself for more than 30 years and then owning a travel company, one of my challenges, not only when I was just working in the industry, but also as an entrepreneur, was getting tourism boards and hotels and just the whole gamut of hospitality industry to recognize the Black traveler. And I think part of that is also people of color, or as you said, BIPOC, which for the audience, I'll let you know, is Black, Indigenous people of color in the industry as well. So it's representation of the people that you see, but also the people who are spending the money in the industry as well. And so that has changed. Well, it's changing. We still have a long way to go, but it is changing. And so I'm happy to see initiatives like this. So now you said as a pilot, when or how long has Choose Chicago had the equity, diversity, and inclusion? So I started in this role in March of 2021. So it's coming up on just a year. Part of our organization strategy was to create this new role that I'm in. We also created in another role, which is our neighborhood strategy program. And part of our focus was in terms of some priorities, looking into our communities of color, our neighborhoods, 
and making sure that we're helping to be a part of building up the infrastructure for tourism, as well as promoting all of those various assets throughout various communities as a part of the tourism economy. So I started in March of 2021, but it's been fast and furious since on just really trying to advance equity, diversity, and inclusion efforts throughout the organization. I see. And what have you discovered since becoming director for this position? Wow, that's a really good question. One, because I'm a native Chicagoan. And like I shared at the beginning of our conversation is that I've been within the organization for 10 years. But my this past year has just been an eye opener for me in terms of discovery, not only of talent. You mentioned yourself being an amazing business owner, so talented. And I'm grateful for our relationship and having been exposed to you in an earlier part of my career. And now I feel like I get to be exposed to even more businesses of color that are owned throughout the city. And not only do I get to be exposed to them, but I also get to be a part of bridging this gap of awareness of who these businesses are and where they're located, promoting them both to the leisure visitor that's coming to Chicago and maybe just doing a weekend staycation or a getaway and just looking for a place to eat and dine and do a little exploring and go to a museum and explore a cultural gem in a neighborhood that's maybe a little off the beaten path. It might take five or extra 10 minutes to get there, but it's so worth it. And I've made those discoveries all across Chicago. And then it's also the meeting planner. It's those convention customers that are coming to Chicago and they're planning events, they're planning meetings of various sizes, and they're looking to add a little bit of diversity in terms of their programs and suppliers and vendors that they can work with. So I'm grateful to be a part of bridging those worlds and bridging that gap of connecting visitors, whether they're on the business side or on the leisure side, to other owners and diverse businesses within our community. And I'm really glad that you said that because while our company mostly sends people out. <laughs> We're not a local operator or destination management company where we welcome visitors to Chicago. What happens, though, is our large client base, they know why I'm in Chicago. So oftentimes when they're here on other business or for leisure, they will ask us, where can we go? What can we do? Give us some experiences in Chicago. And we gladly provide that information to them. And then we never know if we're going to get a client who would like for us to put together a program for them here in Chicago. So yeah. it's nice to know those marketing efforts, but also bridging the visitors with the services. So what do you find that you're most excited about? I'm excited about a few things. I'm excited about the discoveries of those partners and listening to their stories. Like I have a journalism background, so I've always enjoyed hearing stories and just learning where people come from and what made them start their business. And I'm excited about the pride that I get to experience from various owners and in their communities, because if you go over to South Shore, you talk to some of the leaders in that community, and it's just amazing the amount of pride and some of the folks who left South Shore and have come back or some of the folks who are still there. This is a community on the South Side, and the individuals love, 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 and are just so proud of where they come from. I'm excited about being a part of change, and I want to emphasize when I stepped into this role, it was very important for me to not just be someone that's about a trend or just something that's temporary, but to try to build a program for our organization that is long-term 
and that affects change and progress for many, many years to come. So I'm excited. That might be slower and we may not move as quickly as some of the other folks out there doing DEI work. But what I do feel is that we're doing work that's impactful and that it will affect our communities long term. And I do feel like five, 10 years from now, we'll hopefully look back and we'll see a tremendous amount of progress and long-term impact. And hopefully, like I said earlier, in terms of new talent that we're attracting to this industry, I can't wait to see some of the new stars and just career development and progress that individuals will be able to take as well on their professional journey. You mentioned the neighborhoods and communities, and it just kind of reminds me of a program that I did last year during Black History Month, where we talked about gentrification in tourism and how it affects communities and neighborhoods. So it kind of brings to mind how will the Black communities benefit from the equity, diversity, and inclusion in or of tourism in Chicago. So just the community itself, not necessarily the businesses that are maybe Black-owned or who are benefiting, but the community itself. One of the ways that we're definitely approaching the benefit of the community with the new Obama Presidential Center that's coming to Chicago's South Side in 2025, we've been launching larger conversations with the entire community's leaders from various communities, bringing them together, listening to them, trying to understand what their needs are, what their pain points are, and how we can be a best resource for them. So as we're listening, we're discovering what those answers are and working in partnership with the communities to make sure they are happy with our tourism efforts and how we're growing awareness and promoting tourism to their community. So I think it starts with those partnerships that have been key for us, working with the Chambers of Commerce in various communities, listening and talking with them and implementing their ideas into our overall strategy. I see. Because one of the things that my guest at that time had said is that when gentrification happens, and sometimes it's because of a tourist attraction. So it certainly brings to mind the Obama Presidential Library, that it changes the landscape of the community, but often will forget about the people of the community. And then they find themselves in a community that they no longer recognize or even feel a part of. So is that part of some of these initiatives, making them feel more included in that sense? Definitely. I think that's why we're starting early. That particular attraction doesn't open for a few years out, but we've already started those conversations. And we're already looking at how we're partnering together to welcome this new attraction, which we hope will be beneficial to everyone at large. I feel like there will always be some criticism about something, but I'm definitely hopeful that the greater good is for everyone involved. So, Absolutely. And I know you said what you were excited about overall. Maybe these are things you can share with me if it's not something that's confidential at this time, but anything new and exciting that we should be looking for in the near and far future? In terms of Chicago, but also as it is impacted by equity, diversity, and inclusion. Absolutely. One of the things I love about Chicago is that there's always something new to experience. I'm excited that as we are really trying to be more intentional in our equity, diversity, and inclusion efforts, that we're also trying to make sure we are 
listening to those travelers, Black travelers, other diverse types of travelers, and curating those experiences that are going to appeal to them in our destination. And I think there's so much to experience. Chicago Restaurant Week is coming up in March, April of this year. I'm very excited. This is a year where it's going to be record-breaking in the number of minority and women-owned restaurants that are participating across neighborhoods. We are literally seeing that number climb each week. And I think that's such a great opportunity to come to the city, get some great bites, experience culture, do add-ons, do a staycation and do so much more. And then, like I said, stay tuned to ChooseChicago.com because there's always something new to experience. This is the year of dance. So lots of cultural dance opportunities coming this year. I was literally just speaking one month too. They are celebrating their 50th anniversary this year. Who knew wow. that on the south side of Chicago, the Muntu Dance Theater is celebrating 50 years. So, so much to explore. So I would just stay tuned to choosechicago.com because we definitely keep that current. Our social channels, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, because we're always promoting new content and what's new and happening in Chicago. One of our Facebook followers on Traveling While Black Facebook group wanted to know if there were any Black-owned upscale restaurants in Chicago, but the Black Restaurant Week, that just finished, did it not? It's actually in progress now. Chicago Black Restaurant Week under Lauren is leadership is in progress now and super excited for that program. I plan to support it as well. Lauren is a partner of ours, so she's also working with Two Chicago on doing some recruitment for our overarching Chicago Restaurant Week as well. And yes, there are upscale Black-owned restaurants participating in both Chicago Restaurant Week and the Chicago Black Restaurant Week. I think of restaurants like Virtue or Kitchen and Cocktails or Luella Southern Kitchen. And I do want to pause there, Javon, because To your listeners, Chicago Restaurant Week, Chicago Black Restaurant Week, this is definitely the time to give some love to those restaurants. I was just watching an interview on the news of just what some of the restaurant owners have been going through just to stay operable. And so this is definitely a time when we want to support those who are more established, but also some that maybe just have some great carryout options too. And so I would just definitely encourage that as well. And I would have to tell you that Luella's Southern Kitchen have the best Brussels sprouts I've ever had. (laughs) They're amazing. They're what they don't do anything wrong. They're beignets. They're shrimp and grits is one of my husband's favorite. They did like a barbecue shrimp and grits. And then we love their Southern mac and cheese, their buttermilk chicken with this amazing honey glaze that they do. It's, oh, oh my God. I was just thinking about them. Like I've got to get back up there. So really good bites. (laughs) I had them on this show when they first opened and uh, I went up to taste the menu. And one of the things he said, because I asked about these Brussels sprouts, he says, well, I don't like greens, never have liked greens. So I always treated the Brussels sprouts like greens because so many people love them. And Mm. so that's why the flavor is 
so different. And that's why it's so much more of a hearty Brussels sprouts dish. I literally was like the first time I went, I went back with my mother-in-law. I went back with like, (laughs) I literally was like three times there in, in a very short span of time. So I hear you loud and clear. Absolutely. And what are the dates of Chicago Restaurant Week? It kicks off March 25th, and I think it goes to around April 10th. I am so happy I am going to be here because it's a little later than it normally is. It is. You're right. Yay. We'll and I was thinking maybe I was we gonna... can meet up for dinner or lunch or something. So that would be lovely <laughs> because I was just thinking, am I going to miss it? I'm traveling. I'm going to miss the restaurant weekend. That's one of the things that I look forward to every year. And it's one of the things that I really loved about Chicago as a whole when I first moved here 20 years ago with the number of events and activities that Chicago has to offer and how so many of them are free that you can enjoy in the city and how much the events really take front and center for the city of Chicago. Absolutely. Such a good point. And definitely another reason to look forward to visiting Chicago was excited to see in the news just the other day that certain in-person events like Taste of Chicago in the neighborhoods is resuming. Some of the bigger events, Air and Water Show, some of these larger festivals and neighborhood events that typically happen pre-COVID are resuming operations this year. So lots to look forward to, music events, something for everyone. Yes. Well, I truly love Chicago. And that's not just because I'm living here, but it is a great city to live in and a great city to visit with so many wonderful things to do. And as I mentioned earlier, my travelers often will contact me when they're coming to Chicago to ask, what can we see and what can we do? What would you say would be those maybe top five attractions? And of course, this is not saying that you don't want to see any and everything that you can. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I definitely would start with DuSable Museum. I mean, there are Smithsonian affiliate, large African-American collections right in the heart of Washington Park. So I definitely would start there and checking out their exhibits. From there, I would probably definitely go to some of our other cultural assets. And just depending on your flavor, I have been very excited to explore like Humboldt Park, the Puerto Rican Museum up there, or the Chinese Museum in Chinatown. So I think just getting around to other communities, even outside of the Black community, to explore other cultures, I think it's also really cool and just opens up our eyes. In terms of other attractions, our museum scene, the Art Institute is phenomenal. Downtown is always a great resource. If you want to learn more about Chicago and just overall Chicago history and architecture, you can definitely do the Chicago Architecture Center and then or go on a Chicago architectural boat cruise. Those are always a winner and something to experience. I would also go over to Navy Pier. It's a staple in the city, iconic. But going over there, offshore is right there. You can catch a view of the fireworks and just walk along the pier and just get great views and photography of the city as your backdrop. And I would make it a point to try some of those smaller bites and go into some of our neighborhoods like a South Shore and try Majani or go up to Uptown and try Demira Ethiopian's Cuisine or go over to 1111 in the West Loop. So many great cultural food gems for that foodie or for that person who just likes local eats. 
a lot of different types of cuisine. So I would definitely do my own personal food tier, food tour. Wonderful, wonderful suggestions, especially the food tour and especially going out to the neighborhoods. I think visiting those neighborhoods is sometimes something that's overlooked, but such wonderful experiences. And when you're talking about experiencing different cultures, you definitely find that in the different neighborhoods. Roz Sutley, thank you so much for joining me today. What a wonderful breadth of information and congratulations in your position as Director of Equity, Diversity and Inclusion at Choose Chicago Foundation and Choose Chicago. So again, the website that one can visit when visiting Chicago Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again, Javon, for this amazing opportunity. It's choosechicago.com. Like I choose you, choosechicago.com or look for us on our social media channels, Choose Chicago. Thank you so much again. Stay tuned for the Culture Report. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm Javon Harley, your host and travel pro. The website, TravelingCulturati.com. Make sure you check it out. And while you're there, follow us on social media and join that travel club. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born from the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report. There's a tradition in Ghana called Casa Time. Casa is a twee word that means speak. This is a time when the community or family will gather and speak to one another to share history. It's normally the elders speaking to the younger generation to keep the history and traditions alive. Today, we're adopting this tradition to have a Casa time of our own and speak with our group members who are currently in Ghana to have them share their experiences. Who do I have the pleasure of joining me today? It's Marcia Ross. And Marcia, where are you from? I'm from New York. So one of the things that we love to do, and one of the things I think is very important, especially to the African diaspora and African-Americans, is to return home to Ghana, to the West Coast of Africa, but also to kind of reclaim our spiritual name, if you will. So one of the things that we do is a renaming ceremony. So did you get an opportunity to do that? Yes, I did. And I know you're going to ask me what my name was. I know what the translation is, but I can't pronounce. That's okay. <laughs> the African version <laughs> of it. Oh my gosh. But yeah, that was really, really interesting. Everything on this whole trip has been interesting, whether it was a pleasant experience like going to the slave castles or this naming ceremony. It's just the whole going into the village, seeing how they live. Ghanaians are very community-minded. They have that whole it-takes-a-village mentality that I wish we had in the United States. And it was obvious from being in the village that you don't even know whose baby is whom because everybody tends to each other's children. And at the naming ceremony, which is designed so that you can reclaim some of the history that was lost, The nicest thing to me after getting your name was the fact that the villagers were so happy that we brought little gifts for them. 
their appreciation of the smallest deed that you do. They're so appreciative of it. And it was very heartwarming. It is a wonderful experience. And I know you said you can't pronounce it, but what does your name mean? It means beauty queen. Ah. <laughs> yeah, so I, don't, I don't know if it's fitting or what. They always say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But yes, that's what my name meant, beauty queen. And typically in the naming ceremony in Ghana, a baby is named by an elder in the family. And part of that name is the day of the week that you're born. And of course, they have male and they have female. What other activities did you all participate in or walk us through that naming ceremony? The na- well, we had to do the dance. I guess it's called some kind of chicken dance. So that's what it resembles because you're kind of flapping your elbows. I don't know how good I was at it, but they were very energized teaching us how to do it and their energy just whatever you got up there and did it was okay with them so that was nice we had a prayer from not sure exactly what his title was the villagers themselves they were entertaining there's (laughs) there's personalities in every nationality and there were a couple of them there so they kept things comedic and lighthearted. also before we went to actually get our names we actually watch them make clay pots by hand, that whole process, which I find amazing because so many things are still done here by hand with the most basic tools other than their hands, something that they make to help them create whatever it is they're creating, whether it be pottery, whether it be the weaving. These are just wonderful people. They really are. It makes me feel like we don't work hard in the United States at all because these people really, really work hard. Yeah, that and when you mentioned about family, one thing I know about Ghanaians and the culture is that you are always representing your community. And so you act as such and you respect your elders. There's such a place for elders in the Ghanaian community. And the chicken dance that you mentioned, I had the opportunity (laughs) to do that one time and it looks very simple and they do it with such ease. And then when I get up to do it, I'm like, what am I doing wrong? (laughs) It's not simple. It's not simple. And I have rhythm. It's not like I don't have any rhythm, but I couldn't do that jerky motion like they were doing it. I tried though. Yes. And they do it so effortlessly and they have that rhythm with it. Like you said, I'm thinking, I think I'm coordinated, but what's happening here? And I I do have rhythm, but it's your last night there. Yes. Yes. And I saw a few pictures of you all out on the beach. How is that? At the bonfire. Oh, it was really nice. Just a nice atmosphere. It really, really was nice. And even last night, We had dinner outside in a courtyard where we had to remove our shoes and sit on mats. And a chef was flown in. She's a traveling chef because she's from the Fulani tribe and they are nomads. So I guess that's how she got the name traveling chef. And she introduced us to a few dishes that she made. So that atmosphere was really nice also. What would you say was your biggest takeaway? That as much as we have in the United States, We're missing kinship. We're missing a sense of community. We're missing a sense of pride in the United States. It's a shame that it's lost. We don't have that. And that's what I like about here. I really do. Who do I have the pleasure of speaking to now? My name is Aubrey Williams. I grew up in Chicago, but I'm currently living in Fort Worth, Texas. Ah, okay. At least you're not here in Chicago in the dead of winter. 
<laughs> I know. It's been enough time in the past that I know what it's like. Yes, but you're in a beautiful place that is Ghana, and you're having some wonderful experiences there. Oh, very much. Now, I understand yeah. you had dinner with one of the chefs there, a traveling chef, and you wanted to share that experience. Correct. We had dinner with Chef Benta. She's part of the Fulani ethnic group, and she prepares dishes pertaining to their culture. And I had done some research on her, and you know, she's very popular. And it seems that she overcame a lot of adversity when she was growing up to get to the point where she is now. Even so much when she was a young girl, she suffered like third-degree burns while her mother was cooking. But she said she didn't let that stop her from being passionate about becoming a chef. From what I understand, she really came over a lot during the Civil War, Sierra Leone, and going living in different places. So I'd take my head off to her. She's accomplished a lot. And how was the food? Do you remember the dishes and items that you had? One similar to gumbo. It didn't have the groove, but she said this is like the forerunner of the gumbo. It was fish. I think it was some okra, but it was very delicious. But it just didn't have the groove like we used to down in Louisiana. That was very good. Then she had one I was surprised that I liked. It was soup with sheep head. I know that ahead of time, I don't think I would have eaten it, but once I ate it, it was delicious as well. Sometimes it's best not to know, <laughs> so you can have that experience, and you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, plus, you know, it was dark where we were sitting at, so that helped as well. You couldn't see it. Yes, and food is such an integral part of any culture. And as we know, there's so many foods that we are learning more and more about that has its origins in and from Africa. And they came to America, of course, because of the slave trade, but we adopted them and adapted them into our own culture and looking at the same foods that we may have here. And like you said, the dish that you spoke about was similar to a gumbo. The lady I spoke with before, Miss Ross, had said that you sat on mats and you had your shoes off. Was this the Fulani experience? What was the relevance of the style of dining? Correct. From my understanding, it's the tradition of Fulanis. I guess they're nomadic people and they travel with the herds. So once they settle down for the evening, they have very little light that's available while they cook. And pretty much everyone sits down on mats with their shoes off. And this is part of their culture, what I guess is a sense of community by eating this way. Now, have you all had jollof rice since you've been there? Oh, just about every meal is an uh, option. I think I've had it once or twice. Because but I understand there's a difference between Nigerian and Ghanaian. Yes, there's a big debate. So I was going to ask you also if you've had the Nigerian. So the great debate is who does it best? <laughs> and of course, each one claims that they do it best. And I spoke to some people in Liberia who said, we don't care who does it best, but it originated with us. <laughs> so far, I've only had the Ghanaian uh, version, but it, it's good. And what would you say struck you the most about the trip overall? Probably the visits to the slave dungeons, the sea how this transatlantic slave transport all occurred and inhumane way that the Africans were treated prior to even being placed on the ship. Just to survive that in itself was unbelievable. And then to get on the ship and make that transatlantic journey, it's unbelievable. People have the stamina and the strength to survive that, but they did. Yeah. And then to see some of these, for example, the Cape Coast and the forts that were built in the 17th century and to see some of the holding areas. And did you go inside? Because I know you have the opportunity to go inside. Some people go, some people don't for personal reasons. But were you able to go inside where they held, imprisoned and enslaved? Oh, yes. The whole group went in. As a matter of fact, the gentleman, the tour guide, he actually turned off the lights 
had everyone touch the wall for about 20 seconds in silence, and everyone participated. And it is kind of strange, seemed like you can actually feel the people that was there and perhaps imagine what they went through. So that's kind of bone chilling. It really is. It feels like the ancestral spirits are there, and that lingers for so many centuries. True. Very true. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. And thank you for making the decision to take the tour. I hope that it was something that you enjoyed. Oh, very much. Thank you for offering it. Mr. Williams, thanks again for joining us. Thank you very much. Well, that's it for the show today. Wherever you go, go with all your heart. Confucius. Ladies and gentlemen. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen.